Absolutely. Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy you're spending some time with us as we zero in on Christmas. The Sugar Bowl tailgate continues with Chip and Zay. And the soft-hearted Zay. He's like a teddy bear. (laughs) All right, so here's the deal. My daughter, we watch these. We try to find the cheesiest Christmas movies. That's cute. And there's plenty to pick from. So we watched this movie called Spirited with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. The other oh, night. That's, the, that's the Apple TV movie. Yeah. Yeah. So you got any recommendations? For more movies? Yeah, for more cheesy, cheesy Christmas um... movies. My wife and I, yesterday, we watched our favorite Christmas movie together, which is Four Christmases, Vince Vaughn yep. and Reese Witherspoon. Hilarious. That's a good one. Yeah, John Favreau's his brother, and they have, like, a great wrestling match when Vince goes and visits his brother and Pops and stuff, and Tim McGraw's his other brother. And, yeah, that, that's a classic. Um, yeah, you and your daughter trying to keep it wholesome here. Um, what's the one? Oh man, the one with um, see, Jake, Bad Santa's not it, it's with his daughter. You can't be watching no Bad Santa, <laughs> that's barely even a Christmas movie. If Billy Bob Thornton wasn't wearing that Santa costume, it's just that's a chaos movie. RIP Bernie Mac, I wouldn't recommend that one. Neither would Friday After Next. (laughs) Friday After Next Next with Ice Cube and Mike Epps. The trilogy to the Friday series, which is somehow a Christmas movie. Yeah, that's a classic. That's my father's favorite Christmas movie. I wouldn't recommend you watching that with your daughter, but... Which one? Friday After Next. It's one of Ice Cube's. It was, it was the trilogy to the Friday movies of Chris Tucker, even though he wasn't in the last two. And it's Mike Epps and Ice Cube. And just a lot of Cat Williams is in it. It's hilarious, but not a good Christmas movie for you and your daughter, probably. Have you seen Fred Claus? Yes. Underrated. Vince Vaughn again. Very good. Underrated. Very underrated. Vince Vaughn's great, man. I love that dude. Anything with him in it. I'm glued from to his Swiggers days to Made, you know, with Favreau again. Like those guys are very close. Like Wedding Crashers is probably the most famous one. But yeah, Vince Vaughn and Christmas movies. Yeah, they go together. Now, see someone on the code the text line, which hit us up there, 512-222-9328. Christmas with the cranks. I've never seen that one. I that's the one with um gosh, what's homegirl from Halloween? Uh Jamie oh, Yeah. Yeah. Curtis uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. That. Yeah, I think she's in that and her husband is Tim Allen in it. Okay. So Christmas with the Cranks. Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah, and that's some family movie. So yeah, okay. check those out, man. Check those yeah, because Love Actually and all that, that's great. Those are good date movies Yeah, at Christmas. But uh, 
That's good. I don't think I don't think my daughter has seen four Christmases. The that movie Spirited, that Apple TV movie is kind of a it's kind of a musical. Yeah. But it's it's funny. It's it actually it's good. Like Will Ferrell, he can wear he can wear me out a little bit, but he's actually pretty good. It's kind of a different kind of take on um Scrooged, you know. Right. Will but, Ferrell can uh, wear you out, really? Will Ferrell? Yeah. He could be much for you. Yeah, he can he can wear me out a little bit. Yeah. Like he, go ahead. I, I think I I think I I think I'm the only person who thought that movie The Other Guy or with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Right. Was terrible. <laughs> Everyone else loves it. I like Will Ferrell plays this dopey sidekick. I don't know. Maybe I was in a bad mood that day. Maybe I need to go watch it. Yeah, the other guys. Yeah, I, you got to watch that again because it's hilarious. Like they okay. have that fight scene where the Rock and Samuel Jackson just died and they're at that like, memorial and they're having the quiet fight scene in the little huddle. Like that's that's a pretty funny movie. I haven't seen it in a minute, but yeah, that's you got to watch that again. Watch that again. I don't know if you've grasped. You might have been in a different place in your life when you were watching that. Who knows what you were focused on? You're a busy man. You know, you're always have to pay attention to your phone and stuff like that. So who knows how locked in you really were? Like, yeah. Yeah. Bad mom's Christmas. That's funny. That is funny. Shout out to Mila Kunis, man. Well, that maybe not. Did they get canceled? Who did? Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. They got canceled. I think so. Not canceled, canceled, but everybody's looking at them in a different way now. Because I think they were backing up. Um, oh boy, from that '70s show, Hyde. I don't know if you remember that '70s show, but yeah, the oh. character that played Hyde got into some trouble, and okay. I think they were backing him up. And yeah, so. But, Jingle all the way. Is that the Schwarzenegger movie? That's awful. Huh? I can't. That that that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I got that's you. a tough one for me. Okay. Ernest saves Christmas. All right, we got some. Uh, we got some good interaction today. Yeah. Some good participation here on our Christmas episode. Yeah, you can't Christmas. go wrong with uh, Lampoon Christmas Vacation. Yeah. It's always a classic. Yeah, I've already yeah. seen that one. This this Christmas cycle, like there are certain like the Grinch I got to see every year. Charlie Brown I got to see every year. Um, Christmas Vacation I got to see every year. Those I've already seen. Home Alone, Money. Home Alone Two is money. Yeah, Home Alone Two is I. Like come on. I. I mean, at this point, the lady needs to lose her kids. The lady, you know, <laughs> you know, one time, okay, it's cute. You have a ton. I guess you could forget. This was the 80s. <laughs> yeah, the 80s. This was the 80s, 90s. where parents were like, walk to school. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Come home when the sun, you know, starts going down. 
it was like my my parents were like where are you who are you you know so no offense that's a different era man different era but yeah that's that's some of pesci's best work to me Obviously, when you think of Joe Pesci, you think of Goodfellas and Casino, all the mafia movies with Scorsese and stuff. But, yo, Pesci, Home Alone, man, he was in his bag there, baby. That's yeah, that's some good stuff. I got right, to see, see two again also. I'm kind of like Home Alone 2 with you and the other guys. I got to see it again. I don't know if I was in the right space. but Oh. My bad. Home Alone and Home Alone 2 were early 90s. Man, felt like it was 80s. All right, Zay. So we got to talk to Texas players yesterday. And the first two players we got to talk to were Jaron Thompson and Michael Taft. The men in the spotlight. Remember last year in the Alamo Bowl, the safeties were targeted 17 times. And um, Anthony Cook was targeted 11 times. Ended up giving up two touchdowns in that uh, 27-20 loss. Because Michael Penix, Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, they will put pressure on you. Now Anthony Cook is gone, and I liked Anthony Cook. And it's going to be Jaron Thompson and Michael Taff as the two frontline guys until Derek Williams can come off of his suspension for targeting after the first half of the Sugar Bowl uh, with you've got Keaton Crawford also available and Jade Barron is as I've reported over at Horn 24-7 he's been working at safety as well uh, in addition to his star nickel position and you know, they said the right things. Um, I do. I might have to play a little bootleg audio for you today. Okay. Bring it on. Yeah, because uh, when I checked it out on Texas YouTube channel, Jaron Thompson only got like two questions before they changed to the next player. So it made me think, did Jaron Thompson say something that – they don't want out there. Like, how was he? Because that's what I was gonna come and ask you. Like, what? What was his? Well, then vibe? maybe it was. Maybe it was this. Um. So, I asked him, "Why is Texas ready for its first college football playoff appearance?" This team. Okay, we, we always been ready. Now we now we gotta put it together. You know, I feel like we were the best. We're one of the best teams in the country, and we're gonna prove that. See, they they played that. They played that. They played that. Yeah, yeah. No, I. That to me was like, uh, and this to me, this is the best thing that he said. Um, and this is what. So here's. I asked him about how the coverage got a little tighter after the TCU game. It does seem like after the TCU game, Sark came in here and said, you know, we need to play tighter coverage. Y'all did, and the results were. Yeah, with the D-line we have, we, we should be able to play tight coverage, let them boys get out to the quarterback. 
Let's go. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't show that part. Okay. Maybe that's too much of the game plan. I don't know. I don't know. No. Yeah, he said, uh, here's the other thing. I said, um, I asked him about trying to keep things in front of him. Things in front of you, you're not as good as when you're aggressive. Yeah. Would you? Uh, like we're aggressive defense at all. So we're going to. We're gonna we're gonna pressure the quarterback. We're gonna play tight coverage, and, and so, guys, if we're just playing technique and everything, we should be all right. You know, Malik. That was music to my ears. Yeah. Don't don't even for one second think about trying to keep stuff in front of you. Um, but Michael Taft, I want you to I want you to tell me what you think of of this because I love Taft. I mean, Taff is a, he's a great God fearing young man. Who's made the most of his opportunities. And um, so he's, he's asked about the confidence level. And he said, um, Oh, come on. Where are you at? Okay, yeah, here we go. So here's what I asked him. Here's my question, his answer. I want you to tell me what you think. The pundits are saying if, if Washington's going to win, it's going to be their passing game, getting over on Texas's pass defense. You know, what goes through your mind when you hear that? Excitement. Um, yeah, they're really good, but we're really good, too. Um, they got, like I said, you know, five to six receivers that are really, really good and that can get open in space and, and run with the ball when, when the ball's in their hands. But um, we're really good, too. So, um, you know, I'm really confident in our DVs. I'm really confident in um, the play calls that um, our coaches make. I'm really confident in myself. And, um you know, the safety that I look to the left or look to the right. And so it, it's nothing but excitement for me. Um, you know, I believe that I'm built for these moments. I'm, I believe that everybody else around me is built for these moments. And, um, you know, we're just going to try our best to showcase that on, on January 1st. Let's go. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, he's Don't tease leader, me. Man. Don't tease me. He's a leader. That's why he gets to talk in these press conferences. You know, like he's a big time leader. And again, just the growth that he's shown, the development, the whole process to say that to be a former walk on and to be where he's at now, the three interceptions that he's had this year, he's had some big time hits just coming up to the line of scrimmage and making plays. He's fearless. And we know he's not the most athletic guy, but he's always going to be in the right spot. And for him to say, again, being a former walk-on player and to say, yo, I'm built for this. 
I've been waiting for these moments my whole life. Like you go listen to that press conference. He was at the Sugar Bowl game, you know, in 2018 when the Horns beat Georgia and Bevo was trying to light up the Bulldog and stuff. Like he was there. He remembers those moments and he knows how prideful it is wearing the burnt orange. And he carries that with him every time he steps on the field, especially being an Austin Knight coming from Westlake High School. So, yeah, man, again, the dude's fearless. He's won state championships. He's picked off Quinn Ewers in state championship games with one hand. Like, let's not, these weren't normal interceptions that he was doing in high school. He was snagging that thing with one hand. And you were always just like, man, who is this white boy? He's going to Rice. Okay, well. Yeah, well, some nice uh, quarterback pressure from Ethan Burke. Yeah, great quarterback pressure from Ethan Burke. Exactly. So. You know what I'm saying? Like Michael Tapp, well, he's a prime example of what here, you can be if you stick to the culture. This, this goes right there. to what you're talking about, Zay. He uh he was asked about you know playing in the state championship games and showing up. Here's the question and the answer to Michael Tapp. Games in your life, like high school and stuff like that. What are the keys to kind of handling that that pressure? Well, big time players make big time plays and big time games. And um, you got to just take that to heart, um, knowing that when the game's on the line, um, don't look for anybody else. Look for yourself. Um, nobody else is going to make the play. You are. And you just got to have that mindset every single play that, um, you know, we're looking for a big play. We're working, looking for an X factor type of guy. You got to be that guy. You got to go make that play. You got to go get that third down, fourth down stop for your team. And just that's how you got to contribute. And so that's that's kind of my mindset is, you know, there's a lot of um, X factors on this team, just looking top down on on our roster. But you got to look no other but yourself and know that that if this this team wants to get a win, you got to go make it happen. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, man. That's what I'm saying. Like he's a lead. I'm if he's not a coach one day, that's really going to surprise me. That, that, that's really going to surprise me because you could tell how much he loves the game. I think he'd be a terrific coach. I think just his attitude is infectious in the locker room. Like, guys love that dude. Like, the team loves Michael Taft. Everybody. You know what I'm saying? I haven't heard anybody say a bad thing about Mookie Taft. Like, they just love what he brings to the table because they know how much he cares. And he's right. Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. Like, he's done it his whole life. So, yeah, I, that's that gives you a lot of confidence. When you hear him and Jaron Thompson talk like that, knowing that Derek Williams won't be available until the second half, and hopefully Keaton Crawford is locked in just like, you know, Thompson and Mookie are, then, hey, hey, you're not as nervous as you probably were a couple of weeks ago knowing that you were going against this very high, just high-quality passing offense in Washington. So, I mean, at the end of the day, talk is talk, but we'll see January 1st. Here's what Michael Taft had to say about Derek Williams. Derek Williams for the first half. Yeah, he's a, he's a very vital piece to our secondary. Um, and so he's he's going to do his best to support us in the first half. And then um, when he gets a shot, you know, he's going to be juiced up, get ready to go. So, um, you know, it's a it's an unfortunate deal, but um, the rule is the rule, and he understands that, and he's being very mature about it. And, 
you know, if I was a freshman and that happened to me, I don't know if I would handle it as well as um, D. Will's doing right now. So I'm proud of him. I think he's doing it, uh, you know, handling it in a mature way. Uh, he understands um, what he needs to do and, and how he needs to go about, um, you know, just helping this team win um, first half and second. Yeah. I'll tell, he will. I, I like it, man. I like it. I mean, that's all you can do if you're Derek Williams. I know it's going to be just very painful to be on the sideline just watching in the game that's so meaningful. But, hey, that's the hand that you were dealt. you got to make the most of it. And hey, you stay locked in. You know, you can't be on the sideline pouting, you know, wishing that you were out there. Watch what Washington's doing. You know, see if you could pick up on little things and hopefully help the rest of your secondary slash defense out on maybe the things you see on the sideline. And then when you get your opportunity, make the most of it. That's all you could do. But, you know, Derek Williams, you're going back home, dog. Like you're a Louisiana kid. So that 30 minutes that you're going to get, I think he's going to show out. And hopefully he can make a big play because they're going to need to force some turnovers against Michael Penix and this D. They cannot just have, you know, a clean pocket defensively. They got to have deflections. They got to play tighter coverage. I heard you ask multiple guys about that, you know, yesterday. And that's what it has to be. You know, at the, at the end of the day, it's not their fault for what Pete Kukowski calls. And Pete Kukowski's telling you to play 10 yards off, 15 yards off. you got to listen to your coach. But that goes on PK actually believing and trusting these guys that they can play a little bit tighter, which obviously helps the, um, you know, rushing the passer and stuff like that. So, yeah, man, if everybody's playing complimentary football at the end of the day, which we've seen these last two games against Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, I've got a lot of faith in these Longhorns, man. I really do. So, again, Michael Penix, I heard him yesterday. Like, they asked him, hey, how do you feel about this Texas team? What do you remember for last year? He goes, oh, I just remember we beat them. I was like, all right, brother. You confident too? I like that. Everybody's confident at this point. Everybody thinks they're the best team in the nation. You go to Ann Arbor, that's what they're talking about with Michigan. You go to Tuscaloosa, that's what they're talking about with Alabama. Everybody at this point is like, oh, we got a serious chance. Like, this is straight up, like, for a CFP, this is the most parody I've seen with a CFP, you kind of knew what Georgia was going to do last year. You know nobody was messing with Georgia. Ohio State, they may, almost had them. They almost had them. But after that, you knew, like, okay, nobody touching Georgia. And we saw that with the absolute route against TCU. This year, it's a coin flip. Like, you, whoever has a bad game could easily get beat. So that's that's why all everybody from Christian Jones, you saw Jalen Ford, David Benda, like everybody just has a certain bounce to their step right now, and that's what you gotta have. You gotta have that confidence that you could go out and win a national championship, and you definitely can because again, there's nobody that just stands out completely as that dominant team, and that's what makes it very exciting. Well, I'm gonna play. The quote of the day. You ready? Let's get it. Speaking of David Benda, linebacker, here's the question and here's the answer. I mean, coming from Humble Bowl to 
contending for a CFP, man. It's just, it's just crazy how fast life comes at you. But it's, it's really, it's a really great feeling knowing that all that we've done and worked towards is not coming to fruition, and that we have a chance to be legends. And why not be great? You know. Do you have to tell the young guys that are working? We got a chance to be legends. Why not be great? Yeah. Come on, Zay. That's what I'm saying, man. They see how Michael Huff be walking around campus. They see that swagger that he carries. They see when VY is walking around and stuff, that swagger he carries, because both of those guys are legends. Why? Because they brought a national championship here to Austin, Texas. Like, you could be in that category. You really can. Completely change your life. And, again, this team, they know the opportunity that's at stake. They know what's right in front of them. So, yeah, man, I'm excited for them. I'm excited. Who'd you ask? You asked the uh, – Got a chance to be legends. Yeah, got a chance to be legends. Who You asked Jared Thompson if he was coming back. Didn't you? I said, I said if you decided, he's like, let me go get this natty. Yeah. I mean, I'd welcome him back. Some guys might be upset, but – Jared Thompson's made some big plays this year. Has he had some tough moments? Yes, but a lot of guys have had tough moments. He's overcame those tough moments and has made some big plays since then. So, you know, I, I wouldn't mind him coming back. I wouldn't mind Keaton Crawford coming back either. You know, like Sark talked David about it. He hasn't decided yet either. I, I would love for him to come back. Like those other two guys, I wouldn't mind. David Bender, I would love for him to come back. That would be amazing. For him and Ant Hill to be there together, you know, oh, my goodness, that'd be terrific. I don't know, you know, some guys just get tired of school. That's very understandable. He's already been here five years. So I get if he doesn't want to. Not everybody's like Brock Cunningham. But, you know, hey, if he were to come back, yes, bring back David Benda, absolutely. But, yeah, with all those secondary players that you signed, you know, on signing day and brought in from the transfer portal, like Andrew Makuba, we know Kobe Black, Xavier, Phil Sami, you know, the list goes on, Wardell Mack. If those guys stay patient and, you know, stick with it, like I heard DeAndre Moore, he does, he was on that podcast with Alex Okafer and those guys who do a great job. But DeAndre Moore, wide receiver, he was talking about when he got to campus, he was an all-world player coming out of high school, winning state championships, you know, this, that, and the third. And then when he got to Texas, he saw Adonai Mitchell in the room. He saw Jordan Winnington in the room. He saw Xavier Wordy in the room. And he said, yo, I got to stay patient and I got to learn and wait my turn. Like, that guy, he's good with it. Now, not, we know not everybody is like that. But you could tell, like, when you see results from other guys, like if you're Jonathan Brooks looking at B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, you could say, oh, I could be that too. You know what I'm saying? Like, learn for those guys that are ahead of you. You know, like, that's what I love. What Stretch was talking with us yesterday, Chip, he was preaching because I feel everything that he said. Like, sometimes you got to see it for an example to become that later on. You know, like, stick with it. I know it's hard this day and age of the transfer portal. Everybody thinks the grass is greener, but if you're willing to stay patient and understand, oh man, what Sark and his coaching staff are building is actually beneficial. 
you know what I'm saying? They're not just preaching BS to us. Like we're right. seeing results. Then be patient. Be patient, man. Isaiah Nayer. Say that 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 one's tough. <laughs> that, that, I would. Yeah, you're right. Him too. But that when you tell your ACL, that one's that one's tough. I don't yeah, know. that may that may have been just like too much salt in the wound because he yeah. knew he was going to be the guy in 2022 and then he tore his ACL and then they bring in Adonai Mitchell and Isaiah Nair gets like one catch all year and it's against Rice. I get it. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but- it, 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 you know, Texas. They weren't blowing folks out like they should to get those guys run. You know, there were games where, I mean, even against Baylor, what, they put up 29 points that game? Like, Baylor's horrible. <laughs> Baylor was horrible this year. That's all. Like, they beat them, you know, easily, but they didn't put many points up, you know? So, guys. Ooh, Texas? Texas, yeah. Like, you didn't the- like that? 38 to 38- 10 win or whatever. That's what it was against Baylor? Against Baylor? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh 38 to 6. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't feel like a blowout to me. You like Kansas, that was a blowout. That was a blowout. But then, you know, it just it seemed like guys couldn't get that run. Go back to U of H and Kansas State and TCU. Like, there's games where those second and third string guys were probably like, oh, man, we're going to get played tonight because we should blow these guys out. And <laughs> Ike, oh, yeah, we do things bootleg around here. Ike, don't hate, baby. Don't hate. That's just how it goes. Ike, we appreciate you appreciating us. Yeah, man. That's just how it goes sometimes. I got to be humble. Ike. Merry Christmas, right. man. But, yeah, I just so – you know, in 05, everybody was getting run. Everybody. Third string. Yeah, they average 50 points per game. That's what I'm saying. Like NCAA scoring record for a season. That's what I mean. So, like, that's when you could go out there and do stuff like that and you'd be like, okay, I I get it. I fit. I fit here. You know what I'm saying? Even though I'm getting these second team reps and it's in the fourth quarter, like, I could see myself performing here in upcoming seasons. But if you ain't getting no run at all – like zero minutes, zero touches. Right. That's tough on your psyche. It is. Right. It is. And it's but impressive. It it's impressive, honestly, that the the players who've entered the transfer portal, that that's, that that's all there's been. You know? Yeah, honestly. Because you've got guys who, like Ryan Niblett and DeAndre Moore, who didn't get any run, they were on – scout team but they they sense something and and i I, that's i've said that about sark he's done a good job of re-recruiting his own roster and and keeping guys that he wants to keep because he hasn't lost many guys to the portal who he's wanted outside of like malik murphy and and we all understand why malik did is doing what he's doing. So, um, yeah, this uh, comes in from name brand Cody, the Alfred Collins. They got manhandled in the K-State game, isn't ready for the NFL, no offense. 
And look, I think Alfred Collins needs another year. I think he could absolutely come back and have a similar type year to what a Byron Murphy or Devondre Sweat had if he's willing to put that pedal down and keep it down. The reason that the guys in the NFL who are pro bowlers on the defensive line is because their motor never stops. It never stops. You know, Aaron Donald, who's maybe six feet tall, but is so, he's got such good contact balance and he's got such good leverage and he's strong as hell, but he never stops. And that's, that's what it takes. That's what Tavondre Sweat did this year. He didn't take plays off. And we've talked about the rotation, help keeping guys fresh. Um, I mean, that's what it takes. So I agree. I agree, name brand, Cody. Yeah. Alfred Collins should come back. Yeah, I think he should come back too. I mean, all the hype that he had coming out of Cedar Creek and him being a local kid, you know, that could be tough. I could be tough, even though he was a five-star guy. Everybody, you know, Sark said it himself. Everybody just expects for those five stars to transition to the NFL and only play three years. Jack, I appreciate you, big dog. Merry Christmas. But um, yeah, just not every. Some people need time. You know, it wasn't like Alfred Collins has had the same coaching staff the whole time. Like, he had to deal with different defensive coordinators and different defensive line coaches and head coaches and the Steve Sarkeesian change, and you got to buy into that philosophy. And for some guys, they get it right away. For other guys, it takes a little bit longer. You know, it just kind of is what it is. But it could click. Like you just mentioned, Travondre Sweat, it clicked this year. It did. Now that dude's going to be a first-round pick, Outland Award winner, best, you know, to me, best defensive player in the nation. You know, let's not even count just the defensive line. No, Tavondre Sweat, he's made a name for himself as arguably the best defensive player in the nation. So that's just another year of growth. And you can't tell me him watching Keandre Coburn and Moro Ojimo, like seeing those guys and how they, you know, trained every day and the professionalism there and seeing them get drafted. Like you want to be that. And him and Byron Murphy, they took it upon themselves to know that, hey, we could be the men that lead this defense to one of the best in the nation, and they've done that. So Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins, hopefully they have that mindset too because, you know, the NFL, they'll wait for you if you're good enough. They're probably going to tell him when he goes and, you know, gets scouted and talks to all these GMs and goes through all the meetings and stuff that you have to do when you're going through the process. They're going to let him know, like you said, Chip, hey, Brad, we see it. Like when your motor's there, when you're on one, we see it. But, hey, you might have to get your conditioning up. You know, your stamina might have to get better because we got to see you lights out every single snap because that's what the best do. So if they go in and have that mentality and in 2024, hopefully if they could come back and see that and do well in the SEC, that's obviously going to raise their stock. And I think that's going to be best for a player like Alfred Collins. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. I was looking, you know, me, I'm always in the numbers and uh, well, let's see, we got a few, few comments here. Um
Uh, Bobby says, I noticed sweat at the first of the year getting really wore down versus the end of the year. Stamina is much improved. Yeah, and it's super hot, you know. I mean, I was thinking back to that OU game when the defense was gassed. And yeah, they're not going to run into that in this game. You know, obviously, 72 degrees indoors inside the Superdome. Um, conditioning should be on point but yeah i mean i think they're i think the heat got to the defense a little bit i think i heard jalen jalen ford said i played every snap and that still ridiculous to me well think about this jaron thompson and anthony cook played all 83 snaps of the alamo bowl last year that's too much that's too much too much that's uh that's a lot yeah. So, yeah, Sweat, you know, and Sweat said he still probably needs to drop 10, 15, maybe 20 pounds before the NFL combine and all that because 362 makes NFL people nervous. Like, is he going to eat himself out of the NFL, blah, blah, blah. Um, all I know is he shoved Jalen Ford aside to get that tackle for loss <laughs> oh my lord i mean against texas tech i mean sweat was like i need every one of these so i win the outland trophy and he did he did win the outland trophy maybe because he shoved jalen ford out of the way jalen ford was asked about that again yesterday and he's like man it's all good it's all good and he always gonna hold him to it though Oh, yeah. I was going to bring it up. But. He said, someone asked him, well, what did he say afterwards? He's like, I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> he said, it's all good. It's all good. I just um, a man possessed, man. Like, yeah. All these seeds, yeah. seeds ball, get ball. That's it. Any way possible. That's all he saw. So It's funny. I did an interview today in Seattle on KJR, which is their big – flagship station they're the huskies flagship station and and uh the announcers are like is uh is texas thinking that washington's just gonna be a pushover in the trenches because it's the pac-12 and i'm like washington just won the joe moore award for the best offensive line in college football yesterday now if you don't think that's going to perk up Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, I mean, this, I, I'll, I've been saying it for since the matchup was announced. You talk about, you know, David Benda quote of the day, got a chance to be legends. Why not be great? This, this is a legacy game for Sweat and Murphy. When, when this game's over, we're going to look and see what Sweat and Murphy did in this game to impact this game because they've been so good. They've been so good. since I mean, really all year, but since Iowa State? Like, and then someone put out that graphic of Tavondre Sweat, some fan, I think. Um, I don't know that we have bootlegged shown this yet. This thing, 
Oh, yeah. Put that a little closer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Just like a 500-pound Travandre Sweat going Ezekiel Elliott with the crop top showing. Yeah, man. That's a, that's a petty look. So for those of you listening that. on the app, there was someone posted on some board and it says all this ridiculous talk from Texas fans about how they think their defensive front is somehow going to destroy the Washington offensive line. That offensive line has three guys on their way to the NFL. Washington is tied for fifth in the nation with the fewest sacks allowed. Um, all true. The Texas offensive line is ranked 63rd in the nation with 26 sacks allowed. Why are Texas fans um, hoping? that their weakness coming into this game somehow becomes their strength. It's because they have a very fat player who they think is going to sit on Michael Penix Jr. I don't think so, Texas. Now, I don't know who this person is. It's on some message board. It's well, not. Man. But but someone put some time and effort into that graphic. Yo, man, that T-Sweat, that's what the NFL scouts are worried about. Right. <laughs> I'm so, looking like that later on. If uh again, if you're listening on the app, it's a some graphic of a really fat Tavandre sweat. And I'm like, okay, I don't worry about sweat and Murphy being locked in for this game, but it could be a legendary legacy game. Could be a game we talk about. For years and years and years, the way we talk about Stoney Clark stopping, you know, James Allen at the goal line in 94 and Texas OU game. And and the guys who played in those big, memorable games. Yeah. Vince, you know, Colt, VY. Um, I can't wait. It's the marquee matchup of the game. And it's now you throw in the fact that Washington wins the Joe Moore award. Um, let's go. I mean, just throw another log on the fire. Cause that, that should motivate both sides. That should motivate yeah. Texas offensive line and the defensive line. Cause we heard um, before the season even started, we heard uh, Christian Jones talk about how they want the Joe Moore award to so the team that you're playing won it. Okay, cool. Bet. We want that. And then, like you just mentioned, if you're Travandre Sweat and Byron Murphy, both of those guys are looking to go to the NFL. If you have a dominant game against them, if I'm Nate Agent, that's what I'm telling GMs. Like, hey, did you see what this guy did against the best offensive line in the country, according to the people who make the Joe Moore Award? Yeah, he dominated those guys and got to Michael Penix multiple times. So you're right, Chip. I'm right there with you, man. Like, legacy game. Dave Bender, we have a chance to be legends. Chance to be legendary. You know, that's what you want. That's why you come here in the first place. So I'm with it. I love any bulletin board material like that. I want it. I want it. Because you got someone, Outland Award winner versus the Joe Moore Award winners. Man, come on. That's Hollywood, baby. That's scripted type stuff. You gotta yeah. love it. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, man, I mean, we're 10 days out, 10 days out, and it's just going to keep getting bigger. And, uh, 
and more hyped, especially when both teams hit New Orleans. Now you're you're thinking about coming to New Orleans? Right, man, I guess so. Trey and BK talking about they got another ticket and stuff, and it's a free ride and stuff. You know, I, I we'll see. There's something like what's the catch? There has to be a catch. I'm gonna call Trey Allen after I get off the show with you. But hey, if everything works right, I got a couple of dollars that you know I could blow here and there. But again, at the end of the day, it has to be more free 99 than the 99. You know what I'm saying? So oh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes, and hopefully I'm in Nola, man, because I do love that city. I really do. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be fun. Now, I'm not trying to be no bad luck for the Horns because I haven't went to a game all year. But, you know, don't hold that against me. That's <laughs> Don't hold that against me. I just want to come see a good show. And, yeah, let's see what happens. Well, you weren't at the Texas OU game either. No, I didn't make that. Didn't so make that. I was there for 49-0, but, you know. Yeah. Well, it's not you. Thank so you. So, come on. Thank you. Yeah, man. Not you. If everything makes sense, I'm going. I'll be there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is. This is gonna be. Uh, this is gonna be good. I was looking at some of the numbers, and the there is a little nagging concern. Um, the second most targeted position by Michael Penix in the Alamo Bowl last year was linebacker. And, and they, you know, did a pretty good. Job, <clears throat> Jalen Ford, Diamante, Tucker Dorsey. But Anthony Hill, love this guy. His pass coverage is the next step for him. He's allowed 81.8% completions. He's been targeted 33 times, 27 completions. Um. And David Benda, 82.6% completions. He's been targeted 23 times, 19 completions. Um, so that's something. And Mo Blackwell targeted 78 or uh, targeted 14 times, giving up 11 completions. So um, it's a little nagging concern. Let's see how. Again, you get the good pass rush. You don't have to worry so much about it, but um, we'll see how that goes. All right, let's uh, let's talk some NFL with our man John McClain, who joins us on Fridays to get us ready for the NFL weekend. John, Merry Christmas. How you doing? I couldn't be better. I'm just uh, churning out columns and podcasts and radio appearances on Sports Radio 610. Dot com, which has no paywall, and I love talking about football, the NFL, college football, especially about the Texans, considering they're tied for first place, and who would have thunk it before the season? John, Nobody. I, I mean, let's talk about last week's game, because it looked like, oh man, you know, with the injuries that the Texans have had to manage, and they get it done again. Um, just talk to us about this team. Last week, they're missing C.J. Stroud, and they will be again, and they had Case Keenum starting. They didn't have the right tackle, George Fant, defensive end, Will Anderson, Jr., their best linebacker, Brian 
Blake Cashman, and uh, they lost their safety, Jimmy Ward, in the first quarter, and yet they, their defense played the best game I've seen them play in this franchise's history. Derrick Henry had averaged 203.6 yards and 7.1 a carry in the previous five seasons against – in his previous five games against the Texans, and he was limited to to nine yards on 16 carries. And he had touched the ball 20 times overall, and he had 10 yards. I've never seen a defense play the way they did, seven sacks, 12 tackles for loss, 11 hits on the quarterback, and they did it without Anderson. And Cashman, which was just amazing. Now they're playing a stationary quarterback for the first time since Derek Carr back on October 15th. And uh, Joe Flacco, they know where he's going to be. The key is, can they get to him before he gets the ball down the field to guys like David Joku, the tight end, or Mari Cooper, their great wide receiver? I mean, D'Amico Ryan's in this this defense. I mean, what? who's the tip of the spear in this operation and, and uh, leading the charge? Because that was heroic. Ryan's always says great defense starts up front. Their defensive line has been tremendous. Matt Burke, the defensive coordinator, whose history has been coaching defensive lines, uh, he oversees it. And uh, they don't like to – they're like the 49ers. They don't like to blitz. They will sometimes, but they prefer to do it with a four-man rush. Now, those guys are playing to run great. They've gone from 32nd, giving up 170 yards a game rushing, to 6th, giving up 93. And in their last 10, they're giving up 85. They haven't given up uh, even a 90-yard game to an opposing runner. So they're going to shut down the Browns' running game. I think the Browns will shut down the Texans' running game. And it'll come down to two old quarterbacks. Joe Flacco will be 39 next month in case Keenum will be 36 next year. And one of the things to keep in mind about the Browns, they have the number one defense in the NFL, number one pass defense. At home, they're giving up 13 points a game. On the road, 30. So they have. there's a huge discrepancy. And I can't find anybody in Cleveland that can explain it to me because they don't know. The Browns don't know how they can undergo such a, a negative transformation when they go on the road. They've given up at least 33 times, same as the Texans. Miles Garrett had not had a sack in four games, which means he'll probably have one on the first series. He's due. He'll have all his Aggie friends out there doing gig him and whoop and all of a loop, and his fa- family will be down from Dallas. So I'll look for Miles Garrett to have a big game. Well, and last thing, sorry, Zay, but Kai Fairbairn, 54-yard field goal to win it? Kai Fairbairn had been out for five games. He had a thigh injury uh, that he had suffered on a 50-yard field goal. So he comes back, and I thought early on settling for 23- and 27-yard field goals was going to bite him in the butt because you guys know you can't keep accepting those short field goals when you can't score touchdowns. Then he hit for 53. And then at the end, show you what a great coach D'Amico Ryans is, and he's so smart on game days. He doesn't make clock management and game management mistakes. We gave him a hard time early in the season, first two games, because they had to call timeouts for delays. But that was a rookie quarterback. That was not him. He's the head coach, and he calls the defense. But So people didn't understand why he let the clock run down instead of calling timeout 
and running a couple of plays. And he said, we knew we were in Kaimi's range, but we didn't want to take a chance on getting a holding call. We didn't want to have to take a chance on getting a false start because they had had some of those at the worst times. So they just let it run down. 54-yard field goal would have been good for 64. John, talk about Case Keenum, his performance. I know you've known Case for a very long time, going back to his U of H days, which seems like a long time ago. You just threw his age out there. But he's one of the best backup quarterbacks of this era. I mean, he's always steady. He's always on the roster, and teams have a lot of faith no matter who he's on. Talk about just his mindset with the Texans and just kind of how he's played out this career since his days of being with the Cougars. He's one of the all-time popular players at the University of Houston, and he played there six years, got a medical red shirt. You didn't see guys back then getting six years. Now you see him get seven. And he was really popular, set all kind of NCAA passing records, and they threw the ball like crazy. Then he signed as an undrafted free agent here, so he came. He was cut. He came back. He, this is actually his third time he's been with the Texans, and he was signed to be the third quarterback uh, because they knew they were going to draft a quarterback. They didn't know who it would be, and uh, so he's done a very, very good job of helping mentor C.J. Stroud, and as well as Davis Mills. And you don't see a lot of teams that had two multi-year starters behind the starter, and we were all surprised when it got out that Keenum was going to start over Mills because Mills had been the backup. He'd been a backup all the way to preseason. Uh, two times when Stroud had to go out, uh, Mills played, and so we assumed it was Mills, and they said all the right things about Mills. Never said he's going to start, and they always threw Keenum in there, and then they never said Stroud wasn't going to start. They kept saying he's in the protocol. We're hoping to get him back. So people were surprised. And I'm guessing one of the reasons, that was such a big game. All these games are so big right now. Keenum's been in more big games than Davis Mills. Mills hadn't been in any big games because his teams have been terrible his first two seasons. So Case has. He authored the Minnesota Miracle. Is, but he'd only started two games in three years, both with the Browns in 21. He was 2-0. and And he started off with a pick six. He's down 13-0. I thought they're done. It's going to be another game like the previous one against the Jets when they got humiliated at MetLife Stadium. But then they kept chipping away with those field goals. And then uh, Keenum had a great drive at the end uh, and had a touchdown. And then another great drive that put him in position to win it with the field goal. And this right now, this team, nine of the last 10 games have been decided in the last 30 seconds, including four with no time left. And they're two and two in those four, and they're six and three in those nine. And they have, you know, those nine have been settled, decided by seven or less, eight of them by six or less. So D'Amico Ryan said this week, we are battle tested. And when he's talking about close games, he's right because it's weird when they're not coming down to the end. They've had others end with two seconds left, four seconds left, six seconds left, be decided. And, uh, and then the only blowout was when they stunk it up against the Jets 30 to six. John, I mean, you said it, Texans eight and six, three-way tie for the lead in the division. We're talking about a team that 
what they won three games last year, all of them on the road. It was weird. Um, but playing Cleveland, they get Tennessee again in Houston and then at Indy. What, you know, with three games to go, how do you see this thing? The Browns started, the Texans started out as one point favorites. And then when the gamblers realized Stroud wasn't going to play, then it went up to two, two and a half. Now it's up to three for the Browns, even though the Browns are two and four on the road and giving up 30 points a game. And uh, Flacco, they were terrible in his first start, which was at the Rams, and they got shelled. And uh, maybe the Browns will shell them. I think it's going to be another close game. I think it's going to be a kicker's game between Fairbairn and Hopkins. Neither team is going to be able to run. They should be able to get to Flacco. Uh, I think the Texans have had more injuries than any team in the league. They've used three left tackles, four left guards, four centers, one right guard, and three right tackles. But nobody's had the injuries at tackle like the Browns have. Their top three offensive tackles are on injured reserve. So they should be able to, to get to Flacco because he's 6'6". They know where he's going to be in the pocket. Their guards are hurting. And I say this now, they probably won't get any sacks or quarterback hits or pressures. But they have a really good chance to get after Flacco through for 374 yards in the last game over the Bears when they wanted to end by three, and he overcame three interceptions. So uh, the Texans' defense was playing great against the Titans, but that was rookie Will Levis. Now they're going up against veteran Joe Flacco. The thing is, Levis ran, he moved well, and Flacco won't do that. He'll just drop back and fling it. He's got good receivers. If it's a it, Right now, Jacksonville has the easiest schedule by far. They've got the tiebreakers. Texans have the toughest schedule. Uh, the Jaguars and the Colts have losing records at home. So the Texans having to play in Indy, where they won last year, uh, where they've won in overtime before that. It, it's just like when they went to Jacksonville, they won 37-17. I, and they won in Cincinnati. They've won some big games on the road. So I don't think they'll certainly be uh, – uh, intimidated or the pressure will get to them. You can't play the way they play and have every game come down to the end and you're six and three in those games. And those six and three, my God, they include losses at Carolina and Atlanta with field goals with no time left. Don't you know they'd love to have those back? One of the biggest difference in Keenum, he's not going to have explosive plays like Stroud. When Stroud went out, the Texans were second in the NFL for explosive plays at 25 or more yards to the 49ers, even more than the Dolphins. And that's just not the way Keenum throws the ball. So we'll see if they're going to try to run, whether it works or not, a lot of dinking and dunking. And if they win this game, first of all, if the Browns win, they're 99% certain of making the playoffs. But if the Texans win, you know, I still think they're going to have to beat Indy in that last game to determine who's going to the playoffs with Jacksonville. John, before the season started, did you think that the AFC South would be this good? I mean, Shane Steichen, what a hell of a job that he's done with the Colts his first year coming from Philadelphia with Gardner Minshew. For them to be an eight and six says a lot. But just overall, obviously, D'Amico Ryan's and you always gotta worry about, you know, Rabel's teams. Like, did you think the South would be this good and this competitive? Of course I did. I had I predicted that before the season. <laughs> that it'd be one of the best divisions in football. 
course not. Nobody did. Everybody said it's a race to see who's the worst, the NFC South or the AFC South. And they thought Jacksonville, which was nine and eight last year and then won a playoff game, really, that the Chargers choked, that they would win the division again, run away. But um, Stike has done a really good job, too. He got lucky when Anthony Richardson got hurt because Richardson was in and out of the lineup. He wanted to run all the time. They wouldn't be where they are right now if Anthony Richardson was healthy all year. He just didn't get enough starting experience at Florida, 13 games. And then Gardner Minshew had started for the Jaguars. Texans know him very well. And then Steichen, he'd been with him the last two years. Philadelphia, he came over with him. So it was a really smooth transition. And uh, and no matter what he does, it's going to be Richardson next season. We're going to get to see all these young, talented quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis for years, I hope. And uh, But I think the winner of the last game will win Coach of the Year. The Browns will say, well, that's ridiculous. Kevin Stefanski's won with four quarterbacks. Yep, he has. Bill O'Brien won one time with four quarterbacks. They didn't even make the playoffs. So it's unusual, but the Browns were still picked to be good. They got a great defense. Texans were picked to be second worst in the league to Arizona. So I am partial to them. And the Colts have beat up on some on some mediocre and bad teams. They haven't beaten a team currently has a winning record since the Texans in the second game of the season. Well, Jacksonville at Tampa, speaking of AFC South and NFC South, um, Jacksonville at Tampa, Baker Mayfield kind of has has it going. Mike Evans, what? Uh, how do you see that one playing out? Mayfield played one of the best games of his career in the victory at Green Bay. Of course, Texans are going to be cheerleading like crazy. Trevor Lawrence has a concussion now. You you got a lot of things you have to pass, and you got to be on the field for a walkthrough, then a full practice. Problem is, you can't have a full practice on Saturday because they just do walkthroughs. So I don't know if you simulate it. I don't know what to do if a guy that late in the week you're hoping to play him. But usually, there's no leeway on concussions. You know, a guy can play with uh, ribs, back, hamstrings, anything, ninety five percent. Some guys will play less, but when it comes to cushion, you got to be 100% and you got to prove it. So if he plays, I won't be surprised, but if C.J. Uh, Bathard plays, uh, I'll be more surprised. Either way, the Texans need the Buccaneers to come through and take control of that division. Yeah. Last night, the Rams defeated the Saints to take control of the playoff lead for Los Angeles. And people forget this is a team that won the Super Bowl a few years ago with a lot of those same guys, Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford. They seem like a pretty scary team that I wouldn't want to play, you know, in the postseason. John, do you feel, uh, do you agree to that? They have been, uh, they got off, I think they were three and six, and then they've been on a roll. Uh, Kyron Williams, running back from from uh, Notre Dame, is thousand yard rusher. Puka Nakua came in from BYU. He's he'll finish second in uh, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, and uh, he's been tremendous. They've had a lot of players step up. They've been able to overcome injuries to Matthew Stafford. If every quarterback had stayed healthy uh, all season, there'd be a lot of teams playing better. 
but uh, the Rams have been able to avoid that. Stafford has been remarkably durable in his career, and right now he's playing great. And people see it last night. Saints are not. Saints are not going to make the playoffs. It's going to be the Buccaneers, and I think the Rams are going to sneak in as a wild card. All right, so you're uh, looks like you kind of sized things up. You think the Texans get in? I'm going to say the Texans are going to lose that last game, and I think they're going to win one of these last three, lose to Cleveland, beat Tennessee, lose to Indy, and that'll make them 9-8. and eight. And they'll be disappointed. Fans, everybody will be disappointed. But when you look at the season as a whole, my God, what a success story for D'Amico Ryans in his first season. Next year, they might be picked to win the division. Yeah. Um, John, we always like to get your uh, your take on the Cowboys. They go up to Buffalo and just get steamrolled. The Buffalo running game uh, gets the Cowboys. You learn anything in that game? I learned, I learned geez, what everybody's known, they can't win on the road against a good team. Now they're going up against Miami. Miami has a different type of running game with Raheem Mustard and uh, let's see, he was Devin A. a- Chain here now he's Devon A Chan A Chan and he spells his name differently now that he's left A and M to uh, go to Miami. They run the ball really well, throw the ball down the field really well. Think about Tua Tagovailoa; he's got to get rid of the ball quick. I've seen stats that show that when he gets rid of it in two point five seconds, which means that back foot hits the ground and the ball's out, he's great. But when he drops back and he can't find that initial receiver and he has to look around, he's not. And so the Cowboys, he knows they're going to put pressure on him, led by Micah Parsons. So I'm guessing back foot hits the ground, boom, ball's going to be out. Dolphins will win. Yeah. How about Buffalo? They got a tough, tough schedule. Then they got Baltimore. Then they finish with Buffalo and South Florida. Buffalo has an easy next two games. So Buffalo's winning streak should continue. And if indeed Miami were to lose to Dallas and Baltimore and Buffalo wins, that last game at Miami would be for the division title and the other one would uh, be a wild card team playing on the road. Yeah, John brings on my next question. With the way Buffalo's playing, I mean, a lot of people had them going to the Super Bowl before the season, especially with Josh Allen and what he could do. And obviously they started off slow, but they're finding their stride at the right time. We know Baltimore is leading the pack right now in the AFC, but Kansas City with their roller coaster streak right now, Buffalo, they could do some scary things in the postseason. You're right, Zay. They sure can because they're running the ball better than they've ever run it with James Cook. When Joe Brady took over for Ken Dorsey, one of the things he wanted to do was establish the run with somebody besides Josh Allen. I mean, it's astonishing that he didn't throw for 100 yards and they still beat the hell out of the Cowboys. That just is flabbergasting. And so I think now nobody wants to play the Bills as they get healthy and they approach the playoffs. They're going to be a hard team to beat. But right now they're still on the outside looking in. When it comes to the tiebreakers, the Texans are the first team out and the Bills are the second team out. And uh, I think Buffalo is definitely going to get in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, um, John, when you when you size up uh, the NFC, is it San Francisco and everyone else? How do you how do you see it? 
That's what it is, Chips, 49ers and everybody else. Cowboys prove they can't win big on the road. You know, they average 21 points on the road and 39 at home. And they're going to have to go on the road in the playoffs. Does anybody have any confidence in them to win a road game in the playoffs? Now, maybe they will. Maybe they'll shock everybody. Philadelphia's lost three in a row. But the Eagles have a really, really easy closing schedule, including the Giants twice. So they should get on a roll, go into the playoffs peaking, not sinking. And they're still the three best teams. Detroit's hard to figure. Ever since they lost decisively at home to Green Bay on Thanksgiving, they have not they have not been great like they were. Now they they seem discombobulated on both sides of the ball, but uh, I think Detroit uh, Detroit has a really good offensive team. They're okay on defense, and everybody loves Dan Campbell. He's coach of the year candidate, but uh, I don't think that they're going to scare the 49ers. I don't think anybody is going to scare the 49ers. Right now, I'm listening to all the debate. Who should be MVP, Brock Purdy or Lamar Jackson? And to me, another race, when in the AP poll, not poll, voting that'll be done after the season, one there's there's an offense, an outstanding offensive player. And I never, I voted on there for 35 years, would take the MVP, no matter how great he was, a quarterback can also make him offensive player of the year. That's not what it's supposed to be. Your MVP is one player, and this year there's two candidates, Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill. And McCaffrey plays for the best team, so I'm guessing it'll be him over Tyreek Hill unless Tyreek and Mahomes, I mean Tyreek and uh, Tua Tungavaloa, finish strong and he hits 2,000 yards. But that's going to be a great race. Everybody thinks it's gonna. they got a chance to be MVP. Let's be realistic. Quarterback going to be MVP. It's just a matter of who it is. And right now, that last game uh, on Monday night, it's going to be a Super Bowl preview with San Francisco and Baltimore. And you think the MVP race is between Purdy and Lamar? I do, because they're the two best teams. They've, they've Lamar hasn't had a great season throwing the ball, but he makes great plays. He makes big plays. He doesn't have the kind of weapons around him that Purdy does, but that shouldn't be that shouldn't be held against Purdy. But uh, to me, it's still that race is still not settled. Both of them got, to, I think, end up with home field advantage, and I think they will. And that's going to be trying to figure that one out. It's going to be great trying to figure out all those all those awards between McCaffrey and Hill. Then you're looking at defensive player of the year. You go, well, the number one defense has Miles Garrett, and he's great, but he hadn't had a sack in four games in a row, and he's got to get with it. And I think he will at NRG Stadium. Micah Parsons always a candidate. Uh, Max Crosby of uh, the Raiders is probably the best overall defensive player. He's been incredible in every way, but he plays for a bad team, so I don't think he'll get it. But uh, those races are going to be quite exciting, unlike offensive rookie of the year, which has already been taken off the board in Vegas because so many people were betting on Stroud. John, we know there's going to be a lot of good quarterbacks entering this year's draft. Chicago Bears, they have some serious decisions to make with Justin Fields. Do they keep him and stick it out with him with all the hype that he had coming out of Columbus, or do they take their chances on one of these bright young QBs coming into this year's draft? There's certain They got a new team president, Kevin Warren. He didn't hire the GM, Ryan Poles, or the coach, 
Matt Eberflus. And they're, they've won five games. They've been better. And if Eberflus keeps winning down the stretch, I don't think you can move on from him. And I don't think you can move on from Ryan Poles. He's done a good job at acquiring players. And uh, the key is they need to revamp their entire offense. I think they'll trade Justin Fields. He's too close to a second big contract and that he hasn't really earned. Trade him to some team that can utilize his skill set better than the Bears. And then they'll take like Caleb Williams or Drake May, whoever's number one. I'm going to guess Caleb Williams, and they better get an offensive coordinator in there who has coached the kind of system he played under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma and USC. And uh, I I made a joke about this. Maybe they'll hire Lincoln Riley as offensive coordinator because he could be gone in one more year. And uh, But I think they'll do that because then they'll have him under control for at least four years before they have to give him a monster contract. And they're trying to get a new stadium. And there's nothing like a new coach or a new quarterback if you're trying to get taxpayers and fans to fork over money. Another thing, would they go after Harbaugh? Would the Chargers, would the Raiders go after after Harbaugh? Who's going after Belichick? What if Mike Tomlin moves on? Those guys are going to get jobs so fast if indeed – they want him, and I know Belichick and, and Belichick wants to coach in the NFL, and Tomlin would have a job by sundown. I don't think Steelers are moving on from him. I think he's going to have to revamp, revamp his entire offensive philosophy to be updated. And uh, but there's that's going to be so fascinating to watch for all the awards plus the coaching carousel. You hearing? What are you hearing about Lincoln Riley? He, I read a deep dive by him uh, on him in the athletic uh, this year. And one of the, one of the guys doing the writing was Bruce Feldman, who you guys know is one of the top guys in the country. And it looked, they didn't even mention the problems he had with the media. Now, uh, you know, the media doesn't help you win or lose, although he acted like they did. And he had two big issues with them and it was not addressed. But if you've got the media constantly ripping you, because you have disrespected them, then after a while, the alums, the guys that donate, the guys who contribute to NIL money, players who are going to go there, they start to believe it. So he can't control everything in L.A. like he did in Norman. Yeah. Yeah. How impressive are you with the Vikings, John? I mean, you lose Kirk Cousins. And you think the season's over. Justin Jefferson missed all those games. And here they are sitting pretty at the seven spots, to seven for seven for their record. But as of right now, they're in the playoffs. They are, but I think they're hanging by a thread. The team I saw last night with the Rams, if it, they're going to be ahead of the Vikings. The Vikings are just not getting the kind of quarterback play they need. They're, they're doing really well on defense. But uh, you just – when you lose your quarterback, it's hard. Even if you get in the playoffs, to win in the playoffs. And I'm looking – every week I look at a game, okay, which teams have their quarterbacks? Oh, my goodness. Dak Prescott and Tua Valoa. that is going to be fantastic. Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy. It's very seldom do we see teams, both good, both who have their quarterbacks, and we should cherish them while we have the opportunity because there's not many like that. That's true. It's great stuff. 
It's great stuff, John. Um, listen, man, we appreciate you so much. Merry Christmas. What's Merry your Christmas uh, to you guys? What uh, you got any sugar bowl prediction? Texas, Washington? Well, I think t- Washington is loaded with NFL prospects. They've got offensive linemen, all their receivers are good. The key is can the Longhorns get pressure on Penix? And and he doesn't throw interceptions, but they got to get after him. And I think Ewers will play well enough. I think Longhorns will win it, but they've got to keep those – not get beat by those wide receivers who are so talented. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, have a Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you, uh, gosh, after the – I don't even know what days next week are. But, yeah, maybe next week. Maybe next Friday. Okay. You guys are, getting, are you guys going to be in New Orleans? Yes, sir. Um, Looking like well, it. Well, good. And I'm guessing y'all be over there doing something. But if you need to wait, let me know. If not, I'll be ready. Thank you very much, as always. Merry Christmas to you guys and your families and all your listeners and your viewers. Thank you, John. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Merry guys. Christmas. I mean, what a story these Houston Texans have been this season, Zay. Yeah. I mean, three-way tie for first place. They got to got a you know, play the Browns, got to play the Titans, got to play the Colts. It's it's doable. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this NFL season's been crazy. You know, there's not that big time. I mean, other than the 49ers, everybody else is kind of just scrapping and grinding and just on a week-to-week basis. And the 49ers even lost three games in a row. So they ain't perfect. You know what I'm saying? There's one point you were trying to say, here's Brock Purdy. Like, Brock Purdy, this is the what we've seen in Ames and not winning the big games and stuff. And now Brock Purdy's up for MVP. So it could change in a heartbeat. But, yeah, D'Amico Ryans, that's just been a great get for the Texans. Seems like them drafting C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young. Well, not willingly. It just kind of fell in their arms with Bryce Young being drafted number one. But that looks like the – better quarterback as of now and yeah if you can handle your business and try to get as healthy as possible these next few games maybe the Texans can finesse their way into the postseason Brock Purdy Brock Purdy I saw a little highlight clip of him with this inspirational violin sweet music about his career and they show Matt Campbell on senior day crying and hugging him and grabbing his face like an Italian mobster and it's just like yo this dude well he looks like he's 12 yeah he looks like a baby he looks like weirdly he looks like John Hardball if you look at him like look at those guys separated at birth yeah, it looks like a very young version of um, Hardball, Ravens coach. But, yeah, he does have just this, you know, youthful look about him. And, yeah, I I saw a weird, a weird stat or just a weird fact that ESPN put out the other day where it's saying Arch Manning is making more money than Brock Purdy. And I don't know how accurate that is. But I wouldn't be that surprised with Arch and the NIL paper that he's making and Brock Purdy being on that Mr. Irrelevant contract. <laughs> like, that might be true. That might be true. I cannot believe we're talking about Brock Purdy as the NFL MVP. But, hey, man, I'm not a hater. 
I just saw what I saw. I'm I'm happy that his best days were ahead of him. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes a player goes to the NFL. Tom Brady, for God's sake. Tom Brady, the only guy who could stop Tom Brady was Michigan coach Lloyd Carr, who benched him for Drew Henson after Brady won an Orange Bowl for him. And then he goes to the NFL and becomes the GOAT. So, I mean, you get into the right uh, team, the right coach. It's all, it's amazing. It's what it is. But uh, you know what else is amazing? Apple leasing is amazing. Going to get you into the car you really want to be driving because they lease every make and model of car. You're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car. So you're getting into a better car than you thought you could afford. And it's brand new. So those of you who just buy used cars because you don't want to pay for the future trade-in value, you can do that with Apple leasing as well. And this time, whether you want to keep your payments in the $400 range or get a Range Rover, um, they've got you covered. And again, you're picking any maker model of car. And if you want to change make and model of car two years into the lease, three years in, no problem. The easy lease. You lease from a dealership. They're not going to let you out of that lease because they want you to stay with them. So Apple leasing, treat yourself. You're going to be in traffic. You need to be in a car you love. Apple leasing, appleleasing.com. Give them a call, 346-9977. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. And uh, and Brain Vault, Brain Vault mouth guard for your competitors this Christmas season. I mean, what better way, uh, what better gift than to make sure that your competitor is playing hard but playing safe with the patented proven mouth guard that uh, reduce effects of concussion. So whether you've got a cheerleader, whether your kid's playing flag football, lacrosse, you name it, get them a brain vault mouth guard and you can set up um, group fittings for your whole team. They'll come to you. Just go to brainvault.com for fittings and audiovisual consultations. Our man, Tom McKay, he can make sure that you've got the big screen of your dreams and he'll bring it to you. You don't have to go shopping for it. He's going to bring you the best price on big screens. All you have to do is call 255-8678. Let Tom and his crew bring everything to you, whether it's big screens, surround sound, um, new lighting, electronic shades, surveillance, audio, visual consultations, 255-8678, avconsultations.com. And how about heading over to Salt Trader Coastal Cooking tonight for happy hour, 3.30 to 6.30. Get your New Orleans grub on the uh, New Orleans barbecue shrimp on that beginnings menu. $5 off during happy hour. And happy hour, 3.30 to 6.30. 3.30 to close on Monday nights. Salt Trader's Coastal Cooking, the Zilker location, and in Round Rock. All right, Zay. Um, the, uh, chip shot today. Cause we're, we're going to do our picks. Oh yeah. Look at that. Oh yeah. I turned the hat around on Brock Purdy. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> all right, what the bleep. I'll turn it back around though. Oh man. My boys at cover three who are going to help bring 
you our Sugar Bowl coverage. Um, we give them a little bit of love as well as Hoops ATX, my man Mike Gonzalez, this Christmas and New Year. Don't give them video games and have them sitting on their tuchus. Get them a basketball hoop or a sport court. HoopsATX.com. Mike Gonzalez, best in the business. He's got you covered. Um, say the uh, Texas football team and this Sugar Bowl. Uh, of course, I cannot wait to get down to New Orleans and talk to everybody because the great thing about the Sugar Bowl is that they, in the college football playoff, they make everyone available. So we finally get to talk to people like Pete Kwiatkowski and Jeff Banks and uh, Kyle Flood, as well as Arch Manning. I, I can't wait for that. They have a media day on uh, Thursday, I believe, of next week. And I can just envision this scene where three people are talking to Quinn Ewers and 20 people are talking to Arch Manning just days before a college football playoff semifinal. But that's, I mean, it's kind of, kind of ridiculous. I'll probably throw a tape recorder over there and then go talk to Quinn. Um, But uh, it's, it's exciting. And we got to talk to the players last night um, for the first time since the Sugar Bowl practices began. And it was mostly defensive players. It was Jaron Thompson, Michael Taft, David Benda, Jalen Ford, um, and Christian Jones. He was the lone offensive player. But this is a confident football team. And and it's it's really because you know, in 05, when Vince Young walked on the field, when you walked on the field with Vince Young, you felt like you were a better player. You felt like you were on the best team because of the special things Vince Young could do on the field. And this team rallies behind Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy the same way. It's fascinating to watch in in 08 and 09, it was Colt McCoy. He could kind of do anything. He didn't have a great offensive line, but, man, he was more accurate outside the pocket than he was in it. They rolled him. They bootlegged him. They waggled him. He found Jordan Shipley, and the offense moved down the field and won game after game after game. This season, it's been about Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. And these guys, after looking at the numbers last night and who Michael Penix targeted in the passing game in this game a year ago, when they really did kind of keep Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, and Jalen McMillan under wraps, only 100-yard receiver in the game was Casey Kane, who will be on the sideline for Texas for the Sugar Bowl, despite being in the transfer portal. Um, which he found a home, by the way. He's going to UNLV. UNLV, yep. With uh, Brock Marion, which <laughs> is which is cool. Um, but this this defense and how they react to taking on 
Now the Joe Moore Award offensive line. Heisman finalist Michael Penix, 1,000-yard receivers, Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk. They're going to feed off of Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, but others are going to have to make it happen. Like, those guys are going to do what they can. I wouldn't I wouldn't give uh, – if Washington rushes for more than 100 yards in this game, I'll be surprised, honestly. Because I think Texas senses the moment. I think, you know, you heard David Benda said, we have a chance to be legends. Why not be great? And Jamal Charles told them that in a meeting just the other day. I think Texas football kind of they posted some of the interview with Jamal Charles. But Jamal Charles said, you know, in 2005, we became legends. and. You know, Michael Griffin, all those, you know, Michael Huff, all of them, VY, go down the list. Life They're is legends good forever. in the ATX. Right? Yeah. Life's I mean, good. Life's good life's for those good. <laughs> As Augie Garrido said, life treats winners different than losers. And you got a chance to be a legend. Why not be great? And everybody's looking at the Texas defense and saying, man, I hope they can hang on. I hope they can hold their own. I hope they don't get exposed. And I think those guys have gotten the message. And I can't wait to see what this Texas defense does in that game because every every defensive coordinator wants to make a team one-dimensional. Washington is that rare team that's comfortable being one-dimensional. And they got this offensive line that just won the Joe Moore Award because they've only given up. Penix has only been sacked 10 times this season. Washington's only given up 11 sacks all year. And that's impressive. That's impressive. So kudos to the Washington offensive line. They've protected Michael Penix to the tune of 13 and 0. Some of them not pretty, but Texas had some near-death experiences too. The one difference I would say, a little quick side note here, is that Texas's near-death experiences all came after they had a 20-point lead. Every single one. I mean, they led Houston 21 to nothing. They led K-State 27 to 7. They led TCU 26 to 6. It's when they started to play that keep it in front of you defense that they started giving up punk plays and those games turned into close games. The in the OU game, Texas was the one fighting to come back from behind. So just Keep that in mind that when, you know, everyone's panicking about the past defense of Texas. Past defense has been pretty good in games where Texas was either trading, <clears throat> trading punches and it was, you know, relatively back and forth and when they've stayed aggressive. So I got the message from Jaron Thompson. They're going to stay aggressive. 
Texas ain't getting no 20 point lead on Washington in this game. So I don't, I don't think we'll see the, the problems that we saw on those games against Houston, K-State and TCU, but it's going to be a great show. So. Yeah. And that's what piss you off. If you're a Texas defense, as good as you are, Everybody's talking about this passing offense for Washington and how you could get got facing Michael Penix and Roma Duze and Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan. Like all those guys, they're definitely problems, and there's a reason why they're undefeated to this point. So that should light a fire under you. What did Stretch say yesterday? Put that Tabasco sauce on that burger so it can light a fire under your ass. I need that. I need all the bulletin board material we could get. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're at this point, nothing should motivate you. Like, just in itself, playing for a national championship should be motivated enough. But still, there's a lot of little, you know, side games that, you know, go about this, you know, when it comes to just Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy going up against the Joe Moore award winners in this Washington offensive line. And the fact that Michael Penix doesn't go down very often, like that should be a challenge. If you're Ethan Burke and Baron Sorrell, both of those guys, like they're kind of underrated because Byron Murphy and T Sweat just get so much love. So if Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke can have a big game on the edge, and just cause havoc and maybe force a fumble or two or just get after Michael Penix because he ain't going to run. That's something that he's not going to do. It's going to be very rare that Michael Penix escapes the pocket and makes a play with his legs or makes a play on the run and looks down the field while doing it. Like That's very rare in him. He wants to stay in the pocket, and he wants to be protected and make those throws and get in those playmakers' hands. So if you get those hands up, Every time you're not able to get to him, use that reach. Ethan Burke, you're 6'7 for a reason, bro. Like, use that reach. Get those deflections that a lot of these scouts love to see when you're not getting to the ball. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm with it. I'm with just, you know, this defense being confident. You see Michael Taff and Jaron Thompson talk about it. You know, Jalen Ford, David Benda. You just put out the stats about Anthony Hill and David Benda. You know, they're pass coverage when it comes to that like they gotta be locked in you know they will get attacked we see you know uh Kalen DeBoer he puts those guys in a lot of motion stuff a lot like what Steve Sarkeesian does with his offense so the communication has to be key we've seen that at different points of the season where the communication's not there specifically Oklahoma the last play of the game where who was it David Benda and Jaron Thompson getting mixed up on the what Nick Anderson touchdown like those type of things and Derek Williams he was a part of that too so those things that might have hurt you early hopefully with these 15 practices and over a month to scout you know when you see them align in certain formations you know what's coming you know what could come and you're expecting it because you don't want to be surprised in this game and again who knows Kalen DeBoer he knows that he knows they can't go out there and do the same old same old that they've been doing for 13 games this year you got 15 games to change it up a little bit you know throw them something that they might not see on film so does texas so that's the joy of it it's a chess match when within the game and whoever wins those little chess matches again just throughout the 60 minutes gonna be victorious yeah yeah it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun um got some merry christmases happening here thanks Thanks, no. And I uh, no, appreciate you, man. 
And thanks, Sam. Merry Christmas to to you all as well. And let's uh, let's get to the right call with my man Zay Collier. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get it. Before the right call, got to shout out Covert BK. If everybody's out on the road right now, Christmas shopping, last minute Christmas shopping, I know it could be hectic. Traffic could be crazy. You want to be driving around in something that's comfortable. And Covert BK, the Covert Automotive family owned group, they've been doing it for over 100 years for holding people down when they're out on the road, people traveling for Christmas, going this and that, traveling out of state. Again, they've been holding it down for folks that want to be comfortable and want to ride clean while doing it. Covert BK, they've been terrific at their high quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. The customer satisfaction is going to be there. And they got seven terrific brands to choose from, from Dodge, Chrysler, Cadillac, GMC, Ram, Buick, and Jeep. You're going to find what you want at Covert BK. So go to CovertBK.com for all the latest specials and inventory. Nobody beats a Covert deal. Not now, not ever all right ship oh man i love this story this story is hilarious so twitter has been in a frenzy twitter and other social medias or should we call it x i don't know what the hell to call it. i still call it twitter elon you know sue me whatever but please don't sue me elon you have way too much money i lose that battle in the heartbeat don't don't buy it in. don't buy into that but anyway um so jonathan owens Safety, NFL, plays for the Green Bay Packers. He's more famously known for being the boo and husband of Olympian and gold medal award winner Simone Biles. Now, he's gone viral, Chip, because he was recently on the Pivot podcast with Ryan Clark, uh, Shannon Crowning, and Fred Taylor. And, of course, they're asking them about Simone. And I think she was even in attendance when they're asking them these questions, like, how'd you meet, you know, this, that, and the third. So Jonathan kept it real with him. He said, yo, I was on the dating app Raya, which is basically Tinder for celebs and famous people. And he saw Simone Biles. He swiped right. They matched because she swiped right. He went on about his business. She slid in his DMs first. So she said, oh, we both live in Houston. She's a Texas girl. He was playing for the Texans at the time. This was around the pandemic. She slid in his DMs. He kind of paid it no mind, but he was just like, okay, cool. She seems cool. She's cute. Let's see where this goes. He didn't know that she was Simone Biles. Like he didn't know her from her gymnastics run. And winning all those gold medals and, you know, previous Olympics and stuff. He just thought, I don't know. He just kind of, he did his background check, but he didn't know who she really was. He just like, okay, you're a celeb, but what do you really do? He never watched those Olympics and he was never into gymnastics and stuff like that. So people are kind of like, how? how? How do you not know who Simone Biles is? Which, again... Us being sports folks, that that could be weird to us. But if you're just the average Joe, like gymnastics, that's very specific, you know. And if Olympics is only every four years. So Simone Biles, it's not like she's on TV every day like LeBron. She's not on the four-letter network like all the time getting this love. So I, I, I feel him might have missing, you know, what Simone does. But 
a lot of women are having a problem with this because, again, he was kind of just nonchalant. Like, he also said that he's the catch in a joking way of the relationship. He's like, I feel like I'm the catch. Like, again, I'm educated brother. I'm making my own money. I'm in the NFL. I have a solid career. Like, you know, but a lot of women, especially millennial women around my age, they don't like it because they're out here thinking, okay, we want to be approached. We want men to be approaching us and be spitting game to us and pulling us while Simone Biles, which all the credentials that she has, like she's out here shooting her shot. So women are kind of like, oh, they don't know how to feel. They're hating on Jonathan Owens, which I don't think it's necessary. He doesn't deserve it. Like they're happily married. She seems happy. He seems happy. I, I don't knock love. I'm in love. Very happy with my wife. So I get it. You know what I'm saying? Now, did I approach her? Yes. But we got to take this stigma out of there like women can't approach these men. There's some single women out there that are miserable waiting for Mr. Right. Which, again, sometimes, ladies, you got to shoot your shot. Guys, we are dumb. Sometimes we don't know that we're out here being seen. We don't know what we need to do. Sometimes we need a little help. So, you know, sliding into a guy's DMs, that doesn't make you any less of a woman. That doesn't make the man just like, you know, not trying to approach you. Maybe he's a, I don't know, an old school brother that doesn't like to slide in DMs, likes to do it the old way, like have it natural, meet at like a Christmas party or a working event or be set up some way. I, I don't know. But yeah, man, all the people that are hating on Jonathan Owens and Simone Biles, that's just because y'all haven't found that right love. Like, don't knock them. They're doing, they're a solid athletic couple. Like, I don't know what that, that kid, whenever they have one, that's going to be a crazy athlete, crazy athlete. Because Simone Biles, yo, her bounce is nuts. I know she about four foot five, but her athleticism, yo, special. She's special. So, yeah. How man. high does she get in those tumbling runs when I she's doing know. the floor exercise? That vertical, it's up there with the Derrick Roses of the world. Like I, she needs to do like a combine type thing. Cause her vertical, she's at least touching the little box, you know, under the basketball rim, that little box that they have. She's at least touching that. I'm not saying she's grabbing rim, but yo, Simone Biles, give her a run and start that girl. Yeah. She's bouncy. So, wow. Well, no, man, that's what I'm saying. Sandman 23, like good for her. She's a go getter. Like you don't see too many ladies. Some ladies are just prideful. They're old school. They're like, I'm going to be approached. I want the man to see me, seek me out, find me special, this and that. And all right, you're turning down a lot of men that are getting scooped up by being that patient. So Simone Biles, salute to you because she didn't have to do that. She ain't have to, now she's happily married. Very Let's happy. Go. Going to Lambo. She in the cold supporting her man. This and that, you know. Let's Come go. On. Merry Christmas to uh Simone and Mr. Owens. Yeah, Merry Christmas to them. Speaking of NFL, you got your picks? Let's do it. I don't got them, but we could throw them out there. I went over last week. Can't do no worse than that. Well, I could go over again, but <laughs> well, I, you know, it's all good. 
I'm actually, I didn't even look at the uh, college games. I was looking at the NFL. Oh, you do bowl games? That's awful. I know. I, that's I'm just looking it over to make sure there's not like a total gimme. All the guys that checked out yeah. during this time of the year. All right, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with my with my NFL lines. You want me to go first? Yeah, go first. Give you a little time. Yeah, let's get it. All right. You're gonna call me a homer, and I don't. I don't care. Because it is crunch time, baby. It is crunch time. It is desire time. And the Lions are playing at Minnesota. It is crunch time, baby. I am banking on the fact that the Lions I saw who went down to Tampa and beat those Buccaneers 20-6 to will show up this weekend in Minnesota. So I'm taking the Lions minus three. I wish it was minus two and a half because this will probably be a push, but I'm going to take the Lions minus three. Let's go. Um, Cowboys fans, I'm so sorry. I just don't trust you on the road. It's ridiculous. What happens to these Cowboys when they went on the road? They lost 31 to 10 to the Bills. The only they lost on the road to the Eagles. They got smoked by the 49ers. They lost to the Cardinals on the road. The only teams they've beaten on the road have been the the sad sack teams like the Panthers and the Chargers. So I'm gonna take the Dolphins minus one and a half. Okay. And that uh, that sucks, but that's how I feel about it. And then, <laughs> hey, look, if, if the Cowboys win, I'll be pleasantly surprised and happy to lose that pick. And then the Raiders. The Raiders are playing at Kansas City. Raiders are playing hard for Antonio Pierce and Max Crosby is not letting up. And that's my dude, man. Yeah. I love him. He is a nut job in the best way. Yeah. And he, I'm glad John McClain, if you missed that interview, make sure you check out the podcast. John McClain said Max Crosby needs to be in contention for the defensive player of the year. Um, but they're playing hard and the chiefs are favored by 10 against the Raiders and they're I think the Raiders are playing hard enough to keep this under 10 so I'm going to take the Raiders plus 10 okay okay maybe we'll so see Lions some. minus three Dolphins minus one and a half Raiders plus 10 okay yeah, and I was two zero and one in my picks last week yeah, Patrick Mahomes, will he throw a temper tantrum or not? They looked all right against New England, but that is New England. So, those are some good picks. Those are some good picks. All right, man, here we go. We got to be better than last week. Let's start with the Colts going to Atlanta. The Falcons minus two and a half. 
We're back on that Heineke train, Chip Brown. Arthur Smith is starting Taylor Heineke, which, come on, dude. Like, you should have stuck with him when you started him earlier in the year and you bitched Desmond Ritter. Then you wanted to be like, oh, maybe Desmond has changed. Maybe he's learned from his mistakes. Maybe if he sits back and watches Heineke, he'll be better next time around. Eh, wrong answer, Arthur. That's some BS. You're messing with Bijan Robinson's trajectory. Like, come on, let's get it together. Taylor Heineke's your best bet. I'm taking the Falcons, getting back in the playoff mix, minus two and a half. Let's get it. Next game. Ooh, I'm going to go with the Browns minus three and a half against the Texans. Just. I don't know, as good as the Texans been playing, big-time win last week. Yo, Joe Flacco, that's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. You know, the Browns, Miles Garrett getting after Case Keenum, I wouldn't like that if I was a Texas fan. Let me get minus three with the Browns, man. They're the one of the biggest surprises this year in the NFL. I'm going to go minus three with Cleveland. And then last but not least, we're going to go Baltimore going up to the Bay against San Fran. San Fran minus five and a half. I'm going to go with the Ravens plus the points. I I think that defense being a what, top five defense in both, you know, running and passing when it comes to Baltimore, I think they're going to give Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy something that they haven't seen all season. This might possibly be a preview to the Super Bowl. Who knows? Both teams are sitting at the top of their, you know, division or, you know, top of the conferences, AFC and NFC. So, yeah, I like this matchup. I don't know if San Fran is going to lose, but – I like Baltimore plus the points. I think that's a good pick. I think that's a good pick. Yeah. I think uh, John McClain called it a Super Bowl preview. Yeah. So, um, I would expect the Baltimore Ravens to keep it close. Should be a field goal game. Yeah. It's a field goal league. That's right. Zay, Merry Christmas to you, your family, Jesse. And uh, I hope I'm going to see you down in Nolens. I know, man. About to call Trey Elling, watch the rest of this Texas basketball game, which I've been watching it this whole time since we've been on. They don't look too good. Only up by 11 or a 9 against Corpus Christi. But, yeah, Merry Christmas to you and your family, man. It's been a blast doing the show with you thus far. Many more great shows to come. Very excited about that. And, yeah, hopefully I could see you in New Orleans, too. So let's see if we can get that taken care of. No show after us today. We are done. Texas Sports Unfiltered. We will be back Wednesday of next week to give y'all all the coverage from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. All the shows y'all have known to grow and love here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. I will watch air. Thank you, CB. I will do that. I will do that for everybody's sake. Good looking out. Chip, love you, buddy. See you, see you later, man. We're just getting started, baby. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks so much for uh, 
becoming a part of Texas Sports Unfiltered, make sure that you like and subscribe. That's the best way you can uh, help us this Christmas season. Like and subscribe. Right. Appreciate y'all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'll be cool.